You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hokie Hangover Podcast. I am Andrew Alex of ESPN Blacksburg and a big news day in Virginia tech world. So let's get these introductions in quickly. Mike McDaniel from Sports Illustrated. Where are you right now? What's up, man? Columbus, Ohio. Ricky LeBlue, the 757 as always. Yep, as always. And I, I really wish I had some Coca-Cola because Lord knows I need an alcoholic beverage right now in order to comprehend what the hell is going on. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I have a bunch of rum and I have no Coke to put with it, and it's it's disappointing. Yeah, man, I'm in the exact same boat. I'm in the exact same boat. Well, boys, we thought you know we had kind of reached the point where the Virginia Tech news cycle would slow down in the offseason. On Tuesday at around noon, Virginia Tech finalized their coaching staff. Filling in the cornerback coach role, we thought we were done. But then, right around 7 o'clock, Peter Thamel first reports that Justin Fuente, the lead candidate for the head coaching vacancy at Baylor, to replace Matt Rule, who has now since joined the Carolina Panthers as head coach. Fuente interviewing with Baylor today. He is on a short list of candidates, and he seems to be the most qualified. Ricky LeBlue, you go first. Do all signs point to Justin Fuente heading to Baylor. I don't know about all signs, but it seems like most of them are pointing in that direction. Um, Baylor is a a, a pretty good job, especially for someone like Justin Fuente. It's right in his wheelhouse in Texas. Guys from Oklahoma. So it puts him back in that area, puts him back in the Big 12 where he's got experience. Um, They're probably going to pay him more money than he's going to be getting in Blacksburg if he takes that job. Um, they have a bit more street cred at the moment, given what Matt Rule did there, and it seems like Baylor is a bit is on the up and up a bit. So, yeah, at the moment, I'd say it's probably seventy to eighty percent chance that this is probably going to happen, and um, Virginia Tech's probably going to be looking for a new head coach either by Friday or by Monday of next week. I'd be shocked if this thing isn't wrapped up at least if we don't know what the situation is by the start of next week. Mike McDaniel, what do you know? What have you heard about this situation? And did it really all come together as quickly as it seemed to the fan base? No, I mean, there were rumors about a week ago that, you know, Baylor might be interested in Justin Fuente. Now, a lot of that had come off of, you know, news articles after Matt Rule, you know, was announced as Carolina Panthers next head coach. Um, and, you know, the rumors started circulating then, but I think a lot of people, myself included at the time, thought, well, yeah, I mean, I get it. He's from that area of the country, but like, how real is this? I mean, he was in the middle of hiring staff, like new staff on the defensive side of the football uh, to, to coach at Virginia Tech with him next season. Um, how real could this possibly be? And, you know, Virginia Tech hires Ryan Smith as their defensive backs coach away from James Madison yesterday literally yesterday 
he was announced as a defensive backs coach at Virginia Tech. And, you know, that same day we get a report from Pete Thamel Yahoo saying that, you know, Justin Fuente was the top candidate at Baylor. And not only was he the top candidate, but he was playing on interviewing there today. So it's crazy how these things work and how these, you know, situations turn on the coaching carousel. Take Joe Brady, for an example, at LSU, for kind of an extreme example. He signed a contract extension last week at LSU uh, before the national championship game. Now, that contract had a clause that, you know, essentially gave him an opt out if he were to go to the NFL for a coordinator position or a head coaching job. He obviously took the offensive coordinator position for Carolina uh, shortly after meeting, um, shortly after uh, meeting with LSU officials and signing that contract extension. But I thought what was interesting about that is that LSU officials thought as late as Monday night, according to CBS Sports, like the night of the national championship, even after LSU won, a lot of people were expecting Joe Brady to still return. They weren't anticipating him leaving, number one, because he signed that extension. But number two, they just thought he was in it for at least next season. But Tuesday morning, he's announced as the offensive coordinator for the Panthers. So these things really evolve quickly. You know, if you find the right position and, and the right situation, you know, these these guys, they, you know, they know how delicate their coaching jobs are wherever they're at. And at times, sometimes it's best to, to move on to another place. And I'm not sure what's going through Justin Fuente's mind right now, but it makes sense for him on a number of levels, given the fact that he's from that area of the country. He's, you know, if he ends up in Waco at Baylor, he's a little over four hours away from where he grew up in Tulsa. Uh, obviously, he's recruited that area before. He used to coach at TCU as an assistant. Obviously, he started this Texas to, v, to this Texas to VT movement on social media, recruiting um, and trying to make inroads in Texas. He does know how to recruit there. He could hit the ground running there, recruiting wise, and I think the money would make sense to him as well. Baylor's got a lot of money as a private institution. They have a lot of high-paying donors there at that university, so they can make that contract work if needed. Ricky, at, at what point? Well, let me rephrase. A lot of the fans, the media, and, and you know, people who surround this program alike, the players especially, seem to be expressing dissatisfaction with maybe not the fact that Justin Fuente is taking another interview, but the manner in which this has gone down, given the timing during the season and other factors and the fact that the players you know, did not know about this interview until actually hearing about it on Twitter. What do you make of the timing and the way Fuente has gone about this? It's frustrating that we haven't heard from him and that he hasn't at least kind of opened up and said, yes, you know, I'm, I'm considering this. Transparency is always nice, and we don't see enough of that in the, in the college or really in any sports profession. And Dwight Vick actually tweeted something about that along the same lines earlier on Wednesday, and I thought that was pretty, um, pretty telling. But um, – the timing is what's causing, I think, so many problems amongst Hokie fans because Tech fans aren't stupid for the most part, and we realize that Virginia Tech isn't going to have very many candidates to hire if Justin Fuente leaves. We're at a point in the offseason where coaches are locking up their recruiting classes, filling in small vacancies in their coaching staffs, getting ready to recruit the next year, Um trying to hold in guys and keep them committed at least until the first week of February, which is the last the old national signing day. 
so coaches right now are pretty locked into their situation, and it's not realistic to expect Virginia Tech to be able to have their picking of the ideal candidate because the ideal candidate is probably in a position where he doesn't really want to leave because he's he's getting ready for next season. The, the time that you worry about your next job has passed. Most guys have gotten past that point. So in my opinion, Virginia Tech, if they're filling an open position for head coach, they're going to be negotiating from a bad spot and they're not really going to have a lot of leverage um, and they're not really going to have an ideal selection of candidates because most of these guys are getting ready for the next year. Um, and I don't think that they're going to be eager to leave that situation unless they're coming from kind of a really, really bad situation or a much, uh, much smaller school. So the timing is definitely what's causing a problem with this. And I think tech fans are at the point where they just want some finality to the situation. They want the situation to be over because the, the longer this takes, the more impact it's going to have on not just Virginia Tech's 2021 class and beyond, but the current class, which some of them are locked in. But at, remember, at any point, if Justin Fuente leaves, these guys can get releases from their NLI, and then the class opens up completely. Mike, do you think the damage has already been done between Fuente and the fan base, or do you think this is a relationship that say he doesn't get the job or maybe he chooses not to take the job? Can that relationship between Justin Fuente, Virginia Tech fan base, the players, and even say Whit Babcock and Tim Sands, can that be mended? Winning cures everything. Um, Now, granted, you know, he won six games last year, the season that just ended with eight wins, you know, it's, it's hard not to characterize it as just kind of an average season um, given how they started and really how they finished. Um, But the middle of the season was a little bit better. It was just a weird season for Virginia tech winning only eight games, uh, you know, with a weak schedule was seen by many as underwhelming. I thought it was underwhelming just kind of given how the season went, but losing to UVA didn't help. Yeah, and losing UVA and Kentucky there in the bowl game did not help and how they ended things. Um, but as far as, you know, the you know, how the fan base is going to react and how they're already reacting and his relationship with the fan base, I there's a faction of fans who's not going to like him no matter what he does. And, you know, he could stay, he could win nine or ten games, they still won't think he's the guy. He could you know, go seven and five and they'd be calling for his job, like no matter, and rightfully so. But like, there are situations that Fuente cannot necessarily avoid with the fan base. Um, Number one, the timing's not very good. The optics aren't very good. He's not being very transparent to Ricky's point. But on the other side, like, I don't think he owes the fans anything. I think who he owes, you know, who he owes an explanation to is the players. Um, at the end of the day, fans will be fans. They'll be there to support the team. The players need to know one way or another if Fuente is all in or if he's out. And I understand that these things move quickly. And if he's taking an interview, I think that's fine. It's his right to do so. And at the end of the day, he has to do what's best for him and his family. But ideally, he'll do what's best for himself, his family, and the players. And that doesn't necessarily mean staying at Virginia Tech, but it does mean that you have to be transparent in what you're doing. And I think that's been what's been most disappointing about the situation so far is that 
you know, he hasn't necessarily been transparent with the players. And I think their reaction on social media and the fact that they've said that they're finding out about Fuente leaving or potentially leaving and Jerry Kill leaving for TCU over Twitter, it's not a great look for not only Justin Fuente, but for the football program as a whole. And and guys, I'll, I'll, I actually think that the there's a good section of the fan base that is done with Justin at this point because they don't know what's going on and because Justin hasn't released some sort of statement somewhat explaining the situation. And the, the longer this goes on and the longer that we don't know what the situation is, the more and more segment of the fan base is going to basically be done with him. And even if he does come back, he's going to have a much, much shorter leash, much less fan enthusiasm, much less optimism on his side. And he's going to have fewer defenders if things go bad. Guys, is it different for the Virginia Tech fan base, right? Because coaches move around and leave within the college football landscape all the time. But at Virginia Tech, we're coming off of, you know, nearly 30 straight years of Frank Beamer. With most of those years, even Bud Foster, the defensive coordinator, stayed in place as well. Virginia Tech football fans aren't used to their coaches leaving for greener pastures. Do you think that this move is interpreted by the fans in a different way because of that history? I think for the older fans, yes. For the younger fans, I think they just want to see the team win and do well. Um, I think the older fans who have been Virginia Tech fans for 30, 40 years plus, I, I think that they would like a stable situation like they had just had with Frank Beamer. But I think what they'll learn, and, and maybe they they are learning just based off of the landscape of college football, is there's less and less of those types of situations now. You see coaches, they go to a place for five, six, seven years, and they move on. I mean, a, a good example, right, is Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher wins a national championship for Florida State in 2013. He has him in the playoff in the inaugural year of the college football playoff. In the semifinal, they end up losing to Oregon in that game. And Florida State was relevant for another year, year or two after that. And then they started kind of beginning to decline. And Jimbo Fisher jumped ship, which you guys will remember, Jimbo Fisher was a coach in waiting at Florida State for a long time under Bobby Bowden. And when he eventually got the job, a lot of people didn't imagine that Jimbo Fisher would be gone within five or six years. But here he is now coaching at Texas A&M, kind of jumping ship shortly after winning a national championship. So it just happens, man. You know, I, I think in an age where, you know, you're moving more quickly and, and jumping at different types of opportunities, it's something that wasn't necessarily done 25, 30 years ago. I think there's a shorter stick um, with a lot of these football programs because there's so much money in it now. And the donors have so much influence at several of these schools that, you know, the patience level that you had 30 years ago amongst the fans, amongst the donors, it's just not there anymore. It's, it's either you turn it around in a year or two or you're out and, you know, you see the situation that Jimbo Fisher got himself in, the recruiting started not doing too well, and then he got out of Dodge quickly. And you wonder if Justin Fuente might be doing the same here. He wins six games two years ago. He wins eight eight games this year. They looked underwhelming at times doing it. His seat was pretty warm throughout the month of September, and then they started winning games. And then the end of the year left a bad taste in the mouth of a lot of fans. And that's before you even consider the recruiting class. The 2020 recruiting class is one of the worst recruiting classes in school history for Virginia Tech. And it's just one of those deals where you, you wonder if Justin Fuente knows that, hey, look, I got a great roster returning heading into this upcoming season. But if I don't deliver this year, 
am I ever going to be able to deliver at Virginia Tech? So maybe I just go closer to home in a place where, you know, I know the area better. I know I can recruit down there a little bit better because I have more experience in that area of the country. And it's it would be a good move for his family because his family's from there, right? His wife and, and his children will be comfortable there. It makes sense for Justin Fuente on a number of levels, but it's going to be really interesting to see how this all pans out. So on a side note, boys, <laughs> Dax Hollyfield just started a live video on Instagram. And I was like, oh, maybe it's going to be him like addressing the fan base. But it's just a video. It's just a, a queued up live video of him and some little kid playing basketball well, in a garage. <laughs> it looks like we're not going to get any enlightening information so. out of that. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, it does. would Dax even have any enlightening information? I think that no one. I don't like they know much more than we. Yeah, do. I mean it's it, and that's part of the, that's part of the problem with this whole process is that you're at a point in the off season where you're supposed to be getting ready for 2020, and you're supposed to be locking down your recruiting class and you know maybe adding one or two more guys depending on the amount of scholars you have available, and you're supposed to be getting ready for winter workouts, and instead, Virginia Tech is on the verge of having to hire a head coach a month too late. The timing is unideal. The timing sucks. The timing absolutely sucks. All right, let's get back. Okay. Quickly, before we talk about the timing more, let's say he were to leave. The fear would be mass attrition by some of Virginia Tech's better players who, if the head coach leaves, that really gives you ground to stand on for a, you know, one-year, no-redshirt transfer, you could get the NCAA to give you a waiver there. Do you think there will be mass attrition that Justin Fuente leaves? I do. Yeah, I do. I, I think for some of the skill position guys, um, I, again, I, I don't know this for a fact. This is just my opinion. But I think where you'd see it is skill position guys who are coming into really important years of their career, Damon Hazleton, Trey Turner, those types I think would be more likely to leave. Um, But it'll be really interesting to see kind of how it pans out. I think they'll certainly have mass attrition in the recruiting class, but the recruiting class already isn't all that good. So it's, it's one of those deals where how do you make a bad situation worse? This would be one of those times, right? Um, But no, I, I think that the current roster will also suffer some attrition as well. I mean, you talked about the depth they have at the quarterback position with Hendon Hooker and, we talked about Braxton Burmeister, and we saw what Quincy Patterson was able to do running the football this past season. I think there would be some attrition in that quarterback room as well. And there are guys who are tied to Fuente who probably wouldn't want to stick around for a new coaching regime. And I'd, I'd be really interested to see who those guys are. But I can guarantee you the roster wouldn't be in quite as good a shape if Justin Fuente moves on uh, to Baylor from Virginia Tech here. Uh, heading into 2020 because a lot of people feel good about this roster and the state of it right now heading into next season. But I think that would change quite a bit if Fuente leaves Blacksburg. Is Baylor a lateral move or is it a step up? I'm trying to grasp whether this was something that should have been expected. Well, I I don't really see it as a, a step up. I mean, it's, it's a step up for Justin in the sense that it's in an area that he knows better and it's probably a better fit for him, um, just given everything that surrounds that job. But let's be honest, 
before our Bryles got to Baylor, Baylor was really not all that reputable of a program for at least 10 to 15 years. Um, they don't really have a, you know, a consistent track record of success. They don't have a, a, you know, a bunch of national titles. They don't spend all that much more money on football than Virginia tech does. The, the amounts are relatively similar. Now, given that it is a private, you know, institution, there's, they probably have a bit more money than Virginia tech does to spend. But in terms of what they're spending on football right now, it's pretty close. So I, I don't really know that Baylor is all that be- much better of a job. I mean, you're you're still going to be in a Power 5 conference where you've got a couple heavyweights that you have to compete with, and that's the same situation that you have to compete with at Virginia Tech. Now, you could argue that it's a bit easier to recruit in Texas, and that's probably true. Um, but just if you put the two jobs side by side, I don't know that Baylor is a giant step up or even a, a small step up. I think they are pretty close. Mike, if you polled, you know, all 130 some odd FBS coaches and asked them, what do you see as a better place to build a long term program, Baylor or Virginia Tech? What do you think the majority would say? Um, I think the majority would say Virginia Tech, but I'm not exactly sure. Like, if you're talking the next two to three years, just considering what's in the Big 12 versus what's in the ACC, and I'm talking about Clemson, uh, I, I think coaches would be more apt to go to Baylor, right? Because I, I think even with Oklahoma being as good as they are, they are beatable. And I think Baylor showed that this year in the two games they played against Oklahoma. They played him obviously very close in both of those times. But, you know, in that first matchup specifically, Baylor was up four touchdowns in that game, right? So I think it's it's easier to win in the Big 12 right now or to win big in terms of winning a conference championship than it is in the ACC, just given the state of Clemson right now. And I think because of that, you might opt towards Baylor. And, you know, when push comes to shove, I do think Baylor pays you a little bit more money. So if, if you know, you're looking for a discussion about a lateral coaching move, yeah, I mean, maybe lateral football-wise, but I think in regards to the money you're going to receive, you're going to receive more money at Baylor than you are at Virginia Tech. Ricky, what do you think about the previous question I posed? I, I think that they would go to Baylor uh, just because it's in Texas, and I think it's a bit easier to recruit when you're in a recruiting hotbed where there are so many people that you can get to. But again, I think a lot of it depends on who the coach is and what kind of person they are and what kind of background they have. If you have someone like a Frank Beamer, Frank Beamer would obviously pick Virginia Tech to to build his long-term program at because A, he's from the area. B, obviously he went to that school. So he has a, he can he can probably fit better in that spot and recruit better there. You have someone like Justin Fuente who's not from the area. He's from Oklahoma. He's coached in the Midwest before. He has experience recruiting that entire area. It makes sense that he would probably, if if all things were the same, he would probably pick Baylor. But um, yeah, I, I think I would, if it was a neutral thing, I'd, I think most coaches would pick Baylor. But again, I think they're pretty close. And I think you can build a consistent winner at both schools if you know what you're doing. Now, the, the jobs are different because the two areas are different, but Again, I think the ceiling at both programs are relatively the same right now. Now, that can change down the road if either school starts to raise more and spend more and do all of those types of things. But right now, I don't see a gigantic difference between the two schools for your average Joe Schmo coach. All right, Mike's in the bathroom. 
I'm back. You're back. <laughs> All right. <Yep. laughs> um, Ricky or Mike, I'll, you guys can both go on this one. Imagine he does stay. Do you think the fact that he even, well, I guess he seriously has molded this job at this point and seriously considered it. Do you think that this will have a negative impact on recruiting for the 2021 class? If, if he does choose to stay. Absolutely. There, there's no way that it doesn't. I mean, every single coach that he recruits against while he's at Virginia tech for the rest of his time, there is going to say, Hey, this guy was inches from, from leaving and going halfway across the country and dropping and leaving these guys after he signed a brand new class. And after he remade the coaching staff in his own image, let's not forget that Justin Fuente just got done completely retooling this coaching staff, right? Bud Foster retires. He brings in Justin Hamilton to run the show. He adds Tracy Clays. Several months ago, he added Jerry Kill to a prominent role in the staff, and obviously he's now gone. He gets a guy from the NFL and Bill Tierlink. He goes and gets Daryl Tapp. He goes and gets a guy from James Madison, which we can talk about that if we want to. Justin Fuente has completely remade this coaching staff, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And he's about to leave. I think that that's definitely a negative recruiting chip that the likes of Virginia and Penn State and Florida State and North Carolina and schools like that can use against Virginia Tech moving forward as long as Justin Fuente's there. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think if we're talking in terms of 2021, maybe even the 2022 recruiting class, I think, you know, in, in the near term, is where it's going to have the most impact in regards to negative recruiting. I don't think necessarily that it would be a long-term issue, but I think in the near term, yeah, I think it's certainly one of those deals where, you know, if Justin Fuente ends up staying and, you know, who knows how many, how many bridges he's burned internally there at Virginia Tech. Uh, But I, I do think as far as recruiting goes, especially for next year in 2021, which look, we know it's a pivotal recruiting class for Virginia Tech, considering how they, uh, you know, how the 2020 class shaped out. It wasn't a very good class, one of the worst in school history for Virginia Tech. It puts all the more onus on that 2021 class to be good. And, you know, I, I think when looking at that class specifically, it's going to it's going to hurt when Justin Fuente nearly leaves, if he, if he ends up sticking around, nearly leaves for the Baylor job. Coaches are definitely going to negatively recruit to that. So, guys... What do you think, if you had to guess today, what would you say the percentage chance that Justin Fuente is the head coach of Baylor University next year? Like I said earlier, it's probably around 75 or 80%. I I think we're too far along down the road in this process. It's clear that Justin met with some Baylor representatives. Where that happened, I don't know. But it's clear that he met with them. It's clear that he has legitimate interest in them. Unlike the LSU and the Florida State rumors that we've heard in the last couple of years, this one's legit. This one's real. Um, I do think Justin Fuente is going to leave. Uh, we're we're seeing the, the the Twitter track and of all that, where some of his lower level assistants are beginning to follow Baylor people. Um, I think we've just gotten to that point in the process where this is going to get done in the next forty eight hours or so. Um, and Virginia Tech's going to be put in a bind where they're going to have to pick a head coach from a very, very small pool of candidates, and they're going to have to do it fast. 
Mike? Yeah, I'm speaking out of a out of a place of, of knowledge. Um, earlier today, I, you know, 80-20 that he's leaving. I think it's still at that point. Um, yeah, I, Ricky just mentioned the assistants starting to follow Baylor recruits and Baylor players and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's lower level assistance, but I mean, read the tea leaves, right? And, you know, in some in some situations, there might have been some players there that Virginia Tech was trying to recruit in the past. So you got to sift through that, too. But there's too much smoke here for, to, to think that Justin Fuente is going to be returning. I I think he's out. I mean, gut feeling, I, I think he's out. I think he's going to Baylor. I think it gets done soon. That's just, that's just a gut feeling. That's not me reporting anything. It's just a gut feeling based off of everything that's kind of gone on over the last 24 hours. All right, guys. Well, if at this point we're considering him to be gone, the big question is what comes next? And Ricky, you can go first on this one. List off your top three realistic candidates to replace Justin Fuente if Justin Fuente does choose to go to Baylor. That's a good question, and I don't have three guys right now, to be honest. I've 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 been throwing names around with my buddies for a while throughout the day, and um, there's only two names that I've heard that I think are decent. And no, no, let me be honest, I do before Jerry Kill left, before it was clear that he was leaving. I thought Jerry Kill was somebody who may be able to step in in an interim role, and that's obviously gone now. So I've got two guys that I think could potentially fit in this job um, off the top of my head. Number two is Todd Grantham. I I don't think that that's going to happen, but I think it's certainly possible given his connection to Virginia Tech, given the fact that it would be a step up for him coaching in the Power Five. Um, I think he could get the job done. I think he might be a bit expensive, but – the guy has recruited big boy football. He's played in big boy football. He has experience in the in the ACC. I think that he could be a potential fit. And before we went live, I was talking with Mike about this guy who's number one. And I'm going to die on this. I love this. I'm going to die I on this hill. So anyone who thinks I'm wrong, sorry, I'm not changing my mind. Whip Babcock needs to go talk to Holman Wiggins. Whip Babcock needs to go in the Rolodex, pull out Holman's number, because I know he's still got it, and he needs to try and convince Holman Wiggins to take this job. Look, Holman, A, has experience with the program, B, has experience with the roster, C, recruited very, very well while he was here in Blacksburg, especially at the wide receiver position. He really turned that wide receiver room into um, kind of a, a graveyard after Isaiah Ford uh, Cam Phillips and Bucky Hodges left and really added some serious depth and talent to that spot. Uh, he brought in Damon Hazleton from Ball State, and that was obviously a great pickup. Um, he has respect to the players. I genuinely think that he can be that leader of men type guy, and he can be the face of your program. It would be a giant step up because he has not been a coordinator that I'm aware of. I, I don't think he was a coordinator at Memphis, uh, but the guy has been coaching under Nick Saban now. Uh, for a season, I, I think that he is probably the best guy that you could go get given the situation that you're in. So, Wit, I'm sure you're not listening to this, but you should go. You should go talk to Holman Wiggins, give the man a phone call, and see what the deal is. Michael, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I like I like the idea of Grantham. I don't think it's very realistic. I would love to see him in Blacksburg. Um, he may be more on the expensive side, to Ricky's point. So I'm not sure that that happens, but I, I would love to see that. Um, another name that has been thrown around a little bit for some other coaching jobs that I would be interested in, in seeing get a shot, and I'm not sure if Blacksburg ends up being the right destination for him, but he did a really nice job at Charlotte this past season, gamed him to a bowl game for the first time in school history, and that's Will Healy. They were a really well-coached team there in the group of five, and I think if we're thinking about all of the extenuating uh, circumstances and the situation that Virginia Tech's in with when they're going to be looking for a head coach, I think the group of five level is kind of where you're going to find those type of guys who would be willing to make a jump, so... I think Will Healy checks that box. I think he's a good coach, or at least he's, he's you know, his teams have been well coached anyway. I don't know if the recruiting would translate because I don't know enough about what he's done in Charlotte to necessarily, necessarily reflect that and have that work at a power five job might be a little bit too big for him. Um, one name that I really like uh, is Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. The thing about Luke Fickle is that I think he's holding out for a Big Ten job. Michigan State is a, is a job that can certainly open up because I think Mark D'Antonio is nearing retirement. Uh, certainly Michigan could open up in the next year or two, potentially, uh, with Harbaugh kind of being unable to beat Ohio State and, and kind of win the big game there. Um, I, I just think that Luke Fickle is kind of a Midwest guy, and, and I think that he's kind of holding out for that job. He's done such a great job at Cincinnati. He's had interim head coaching experience at Ohio State, in which he did quite well. He was an excellent defensive coordinator for the Buckeyes before that. He's done a great job at Cincinnati, getting them into contention in the group of five. They were a couple of bounces away from ending up in New Year's Six Bowl game this year, and his offenses score a good amount of points. So I would really like to see him get an opportunity at the Power Five. I'm just not sure, again, not necessarily sure Virginia Tech will be the job for him. And then the one guy I also want to mention real quick, a kind of a fourth candidate who's actually been rumored uh, for the Baylor job and did a really nice job at Louisiana Lafayette this year is Billy Napier. You want to talk about another group of five coach who has his guys ready to play. Billy Napier is that guy. Um, he's young. He's energetic. I, I, he's kind of like an up and coming Fuente type where, you know, he did really, really well at the group of five level. He's kind of that hot coaching name, the next hot coaching name to, to come out of the group of five. You know, you think about Mike Norvell making the jump from Memphis to Florida State. I think Billy Napier is the same type of guy, you know, making the jump from uh, Louisiana Lafayette to a power five job here in short order. Uh, so, so I think you at least try to make those calls if Justin Fuente bolts for Baylor. Uh, but it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But if I had like a top candidate right now, it would definitely have to be Todd Grantham, just given the familiarity and what kind of coach he is. What do y'all What do y'all think about Holman Wiggins? I I would prefer a candidate that has experience as a head coach in FBS football, and I recognize Holman Wiggins' potential, but. Just the fact that he has never led a program before leads me to hesitate that he should be that option number one. That's fair, but I also think that Virginia Tech is going to be put in a position where they're not going to have that very, they're not going to have a long list of guys to choose from. And I don't even know if they're going to be able to choose from their top list of guys. This may be a situation where Whip Babcock is going down the list to five, six, seven candidates deep. And, and he's just not finding guys that can do it because of the timing of it all. Again, this timing is horrible. Is the 
Virginia Tech job because of this timing, much less appealing than it was in 2015, late, late 2015 when Justin Fuente took over? I don't know about don't, that. It's just that you, you have a smaller pool of guys to choose from because guys have either A, already been hired by their new institutions, or B, if they were fired, they've already settled into new jobs at other institutions. So again, you, you don't have. It's going to be difficult to find a coach who is a very a very good option to up and leave at this point of the off season where you're getting ready to a bat, batten down your your latest recruiting class and b get ready for winter workouts because again winter workouts are going to be here in what a couple weeks. Yeah, we're a couple weeks away from winter workouts. Um, <laughs> you got to make you got to make moves soon, one way or another. Um, I I don't think the job itself is less appealing because of when it is opening up. I think Virginia Tech is going to be an attractive job because it's a Power Five uh, program in the ACC, and Virginia Tech's got a a deep history of playing good football. Um, I, but with that being said, I think you are less likely to Ricky's point to get quality candidates at this point in the cycle because of when it's taking place mid January after all the bowl games it, for most teams, not named LSU and Clemson. The season's been over for a couple of weeks now. Uh, bowl season's over. You know, you're past the early signing period. This is a really tough time to take over a program. But if you get a situation where you have a group of five coach or an up and coming uh, head coach at uh, the power five level, maybe a lower level power five team that would like to make a jump to a bigger job in the ACC. I think the job itself at Virginia Tech is still pretty attractive, but I think you're going to get um, a smaller pool of candidates to Ricky's point, just because of when it is, when it is opening up and and kind of the way that this has gone down here over, over the past week or so. A, a name that's been thrown out by a lot of people online within this Virginia Tech fan base, and that includes the likes of Michael Vick and Kirk Herbstreet, is Shane Beamer. I'll share my thoughts with you guys later, but what do you think of the idea of bringing in Shane Beamer? Ricky LeBlue, the floor is yours, baby. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and, and, and keep this as, as straight and as clear as possible. I do not think Shane Beamer needs to be the head coach at Virginia Tech. Uh, Shane did not do a good job as an assistant in Blacksburg when he was in Blacksburg. Uh, we all know about the WikiLeaks problem, and I don't think that people should just forget that and throw it under the rug. He went to Georgia, and he went to Oklahoma, and he's obviously still at Oklahoma, and he's become what an associate head coach and a tight ends coach or whatever. But let's, let's be honest here. He hasn't really contributed a much or a ton to either one of those program success. Both Kirby smart and Lincoln Riley are going to coach and recruit their asses off. No matter if Shane Beamer's on staff or not. Um, I, I, I'm not confident in Shane's ability to recruit in state, given what I've heard and given what I've, I've, you know, talked to people about, about the issues in the latter part of the Beamer years. Uh, I think the pressure that would be placed upon him would be far too great for him to overcome because of his last name. And let's be honest here. The only reason Shane is being even bandied about for the Virginia Tech head coaching gig is because his last name is, is Beamer. Uh, if it wasn't and it was Shane Williams, nobody would even consider bringing Shane Beamer to Blacksburg uh, to take over this job. So, 
I do not think Shane Beamer needs to be the head coach of Virginia Tech. And if I'm being quite honest, I don't think Shane Beamer needs to have a place on staff in Blacksburg for the foreseeable future. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think Shane Beamer's ready to be a head coach. I'm not sure he's ready to be the head coach. Whoa, of Virginia whoa, Tech. whoa. A head I coach think where? I, th- I think he's certainly ready for a group of five head coaching job. Um, I think he's had enough experience as a lead assistant uh, at Oklahoma where they've had a ton of success. Lincoln Riley talks about how good he is as an assistant coach and uh, how he's really helped the offense. I, I think that's significant. I think he's ready to be a head coach. I just don't think it's going to be at Virginia Tech, or, nor should it be at Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech, more importantly, needs to move on from the Beamer era, right? You finally kind of broke the link with Charlie Wiles, who I, I disagree with getting rid of Charlie Wiles, for what it's worth. But to get rid of Charlie Wiles, Bud Foster retires. Those were the final two links uh, from the Beamer era. And I think you just got to move on and really finally turn a new leaf. Um, a lot of fans are longing for Shane Beamer. They're longing for Bud Foster to come out of retirement. And for the folks that want Bud Foster to come out of retirement, I have one question for them. Why? Like, why do you want Bud Foster to come out of retirement? I understand he's he's a legend at Virginia Tech. He's a Hall of Famer, all of that. His defenses have not been very good the past five or six years. I mean, let's call it what it is. They have they have struggled. Um, Bud also has, has some physical him. issues that have kind of kept him from being as active and as emotional and as, yep. as, I guess, active on the recruiting trail as he needs to be. He Bud needs to just take care of his health. Bud needs yep. to get on the lake house and way. smoke a cigar on his boat and and drive Dax Hollyfield around on the wakeboard and have fun. Yeah, we can all sit down with him, have a few beers at the lake, and you know, have ourselves a Saturday or something. I just don't want Bud. Look, Bud Foster. There was a story written about him by Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated, talking about the health issues that he had and the you know extremely high blood pressure, and he had to be hospitalized last year all that stuff should be the priority regardless of what happens on the football field. But strictly talking football, um, his defenses have not performed to a level that we have come to know, um, you know, as a hall of fame level coach uh, and a hall of fame defensive coordinator, we, we hadn't really seen a good, a really, really good defense in Blacksburg for five or six years now. And, for him to all of a sudden jump out of retirement, become the head coach, I get it because everybody loves Bud Foster, myself included, but I don't think that's the move that Virginia Tech should necessarily make either. Yeah, I just – I like we said with the Bud Foster, he's earned the right to step back and take care of his health, and I think that's what he should do. I'm obviously not opposed to the, you know, maybe consultant-type role that he may have in the program going forward, a Beamer-esque role, somewhere between ceremonial and actually helping with football. I don't know, but he should not be the head coach. Shane Beamer, as good as it sounds, imagine the unmitigated disaster if we bring in Shane Beamer and he is not ready and we have to fire Frank Beamer's son. Think about that. Yeah, I – I, I I can't be any more clear about this. I do not want Shane Beamer to be the head coach of Virginia Tech football for the foreseeable future, and I do not want him on staff for the foreseeable future. Yes, and and, and look, I don't, know, and I have I I do not know Shane. I don't want to impugn the man's personality or his integrity. I I, I do think we need to talk about the WikiLeaks stuff because again, you cannot just throw that stuff under the rug and forget it happened. 
And I don't want people to think I think he's a jerk because I don't. I don't know the man. But given everything I've heard about his coaching ability, his recruiting ability, uh, while he was here in Blacksburg, I don't think he is the man for the job. It's uh, it's it's a it's definitely a, a tough situation. Obviously, we like Shane. When you look at guys like, you know, Michael Vick and other maybe former players that are going out there and endorsing the idea that Shane might be ready. Well, let's keep in mind how much time these people have actually spent with Shane in the last say five years, actually watching him go through the process of coaching football. And consider that versus whether they're just kind of going off of a relationship that they may have had with him 10, 20 years in the rearview mirror at this point, right? Like, like what at this point could Michael Vick really know about how ready Shane Beamer is to be a head coach? He might be friends with Shane Beamer. Yeah, and and, and the, the same goes for Kirk Herbstreet and Marty Smith. Again, two guys who I have a ton of respect for and I think are absolutely tremendous at their jobs at ESPN. Uh, but I, I, I just think they're missing the mark on this, and I think that they are coming at things from a different perspective. Look, if you didn't know anything about Shane and you looked at the guy's resume, you would think, yes, he is 100% ready to to, to, to take on this role and, and to follow his dad's footsteps. But I think if, if you've been clued into the program well enough and you kind of know the backstory of things, and I'm not going to get into, into the specifics, but the, – the, Shane just isn't ready for this this kind of position, and I think it would be a mistake to hire him. Uh, a lot of people throwing out the names uh, of, of, say, a guy like uh, Brett Venables over at Clemson. Obviously, not a, a super well not, not a chance. Anyone, look, if Venables is going to leave, he would have done it by now. Venables is coaching for one of the best head coaches in, in football history in Davos Sweeney. He has got it made at Clemson. He's going to turn out top 10 defenses every single season. Brent Venables is not going anywhere. And and let's be real, neither is any other big name that you've heard of. These guys aren't going to leave whatever situations they're in, even if they're coordinators at this point in the season to come co- to come coach Virginia Tech. It's not Virginia happen. Tech doesn't have Virginia Tech does not have the money right now to pay Brent Venables what he wants. And He's it's also not the highest it's not an attractive position at the moment because you can't influence this year's recruiting class as much as you would normally because yep. it's so late in the cycle. And and, yep. and you've got, what, 15 or 16 guys that have already signed NLIs. And if they don't ask for a release from their NLI, they're locked in. Virginia Tech can't just let them go. It's really such a bad situation. It is. The, 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 this, is a, this is a horrible situation, and... Anyone who is anti-Fuente, I get it. That's fine. I I disagree with you on a lot of things, but sure, whatever. Thinking that it's good that your head coach leaves in January, is just it's not beneficial to the program at all. For the sake of just getting him out, because that's what they've wanted all along. It's just, you don't want this. Even if you don't want Fuente to be the head coach, you don't want him to leave right now. Yeah, you, you do not want to have to hire a head coach in January. If you want to hire yeah. a head coach in December, fine. But you do not want to have to hire a head coach in January. Yep. Do you guys really think he's the leading candidate over at Baylor? Like, are we all agreeing that – like, what's, if he if he doesn't 
go to Baylor, what do you think is more likely the reason that he chose not to go or that Baylor doesn't hire him? That Baylor doesn't hire him, in my opinion. I I don't really know. Um, Mike's probably right, but I I do think that he is the leading guy there. Pete Thamel's pretty pretty clued in on things, and when he was reporting that Justin Fuente was a serious candidate at Florida State and Arkansas, he basically backed off that stuff pretty quick once he realized that Justin Fuente wasn't leaving for either of those jobs. He hasn't backed off of this since he tweeted it out yesterday, which was Tuesday, which leads me to believe that Pete's pretty sure of this, and he's probably got it on good knowledge that Justin Fuente is seriously interested in this. So yeah, it's probably because Baylor decided to go in another direction, but given the names that we've seen for that job, like Dave Aranda, who's LSU's defensive coordinator, or the, uh, I guess the interim head coach McGuire at Cruz currently at Baylor and was a Matt rule guy. Um, I think Fuente is probably the leader amongst that group. The day that the Fuente interviewing with Baylor news broke just that morning, Fuente had finalized his staff getting JMU's Ryan Smith to come in and be the cornerbacks coach. What do you guys know about Smith? And do you think he's a good fit for Virginia Tech? Well, he's a Virginia guy. I mean, he th- this is his state, um, and he seems like he's had some success at James Madison. Uh, that being said, I'm not a huge fan of the hire. It seems very small time to me. I, I think you're making a mistake when you get rid of a guy like Brian Mitchell who – churned out pretty good cornerback play for three out of the four seasons. He was in Blacksburg. Um, He really engineered a great turnaround with Caleb Farley at the cornerback position. And you're replacing him with a guy who is coming from the FCS level. Uh, I I just don't think it's all that great of a hire personally. Now I could be wrong and I could, uh, Ryan Smith could turn out to be a super recruiter and um, that's certainly possible. But given what we know about Ryan Smith at this point, and given what we saw from from Brian Mitchell, I just think Mitchell was the better guy for that cornerback spot. And um, I'm scratching my head over here as to why they let him go. I understand that they weren't pleased with his recruiting efforts, but it's pretty rare that you're going to get an assistant who's a star recruiter and a star position coach because they usually move on to 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 bigger and better roles. And Brian Mitchell was a pretty damn good position coach, in my opinion. Mike, what do you think about Smith? Yeah, the, I think in general, like the coaching hires that Fuente has made, they've been targeted towards a younger demographic, a group that will do a little bit better on the recruiting trail. And I think that's what's going on with Ryan Smith here. I, first of all, I'm not sure he's 30 years old. Um, if he is, he's barely 30. Uh, he's a guy who just coached defensive backs at James Madison, one of the best FBS programs in the country. So I think the, the, the pedigree is there for him to make a jump to the FBS. But once again, I think it's – an interesting move for Virginia Tech to move that quickly and and hire a guy um, as a defensive backs coach who has never coached at the FBS level uh, in this sort of capacity. But it speaks to what the Virginia Tech staff and Justin Fuente primarily, you know, think of Ryan Smith and, and his potential moving forward. So it's kind of a wait and see hire, like a lot of these, to be quite honest with you. And guys, looking at the staff that's in place right now, obviously just got finalized. If Justin Fuente is out, who on the staff do you think remains and who goes? Well, I I don't think Justin Hamilton's going anywhere. Um, I I don't think Virginia Tech would move on from him. 
I don't think Virginia Tech would let the new head coach move on from Justin Hamilton at this point. They've just invested too much into him, and they've built him up too much to to let him go. Um, uh, and outside of that, I'll be honest, I think everyone might be on the chopping block. Adam Lechtenberg isn't going to stick around if Justin Fuente leaves. That's Justin Fuente's right-hand man. If, if, if Fuente heads out, then Lechtenberg is gone, so you're going to have to find a running backs coach. Jafar Williams, I, I he doesn't really have a connection to Virginia Tech that I can see. Uh, it's possible that the new head coach would want to keep him around, but we'd have to wait and see who that was. Um, Shebest, if if Fuente leaves, I'm pretty confident that James Shebest is going to leave. Same thing goes with Vance Vice. Those two guys are, are pretty close. Um, there's pretty pretty zero chance that Vance Vice would stick around. So you're looking at basically an entire new offensive staff. Defensively, uh, Bill Tierlink probably not going to stay because he came to Virginia Tech to coach with Justin Fuente. So he's probably going to leave. Tracy Clays, uh, he came to Virginia Tech because Jerry Kill was here. Jerry Kill is now gone. So if Justin Fuente leaves, Tracy Clays really has no connection uh, to Virginia Tech. And I'm not sure that the new head coach would want to keep him around. Um, obviously, I think, again, J- Justin Hamilton would stay. Ryan Smith, no clue. Uh, I think it's too early to tell. So I think you're basically looking at a situation where Justin Hamilton would be the only guy that would stick around 100%. Now, there are guys that could stick around like Ryan Smith or, or, or Tracy Clays. But I think everybody else is probably on their way out of Justin Fuente leaves just because they have too strong of a connection to him. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything Ricky just said. The, the one guy that he did not mention that I think might end up sticking around that I don't see going with Fuente to Baylor if, if that's where he decides to go is Daryl Tapp. I mean, the whole reason. Uh, yes, Tapp, yeah. 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 The whole reason Daryl Tapp, you know, came back to Virginia Tech was because he was an all American defensive lineman there. Right. And mm-hmm. he had the career and he's like kind of cutting his teeth uh, and, and, and trying to get into this coaching thing. And I think doing so at your alma mater is a is a good place to start. So Daryl. Oh, and and also also to Brad Cornelson, not going to stay. Gone. Yeah, in gone. In case there was any question, Brad Cornelson's not going to stay. Cornelson's gone. Congratulations, Virginia Tech fans. You and, got your and, wit. Brad and, Cornelson's and, gone. And Fuente would probably take him to Baylor just because Fuente is very high on his ability to recruit and develop quarterbacks. I'd be shocked if Cornelson didn't land a job at Baylor with Justin. Yep, I, I agree. I, Justin has yeah, said multiple and, times that he doesn't want anyone else coaching his quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, he loves Cornelson. You want to talk about, I mean, you talk about Lechtenberg being his right-hand man. He's probably 1B, quite honestly, to Brad Cornelson, who's essentially the 1A. Um, Vance Vance Weiss, gone. Uh, James Chabest, gone. Jafar Williams, probably gone. So, like, like Ricky mentioned, the entire offensive side of the ball is probably gone. And the one thing we haven't even considered yet is the fact that a new coach would want to come in and bring in his own guys anyway. So... You know, we talked about Justin Hamilton and, and him being the defensive coordinator of Virginia Tech moving forward. And and I agree. I, I think that Virginia Tech would say, hey, we've invested too much in this guy. He's going to be the defensive coordinator no matter what. And I think the new coach would kind of have to accept that. Uh, but again, you know, there might be a situation, too, here where a new coach comes in and says, I want to bring in all my own guys. And depending on who that individual is. Who knows what happens with the remainder of the coaching staff, even if they don't necessarily want to go with Fuente elsewhere. Bonus, bonus topic. Would would Whit Babcock seriously consider making Justin Hamilton the head coach? 
I hope not. I don't think so. I hope not. Now, if that'd be a, that'd be a big Andrew, jump to go Andrew, from. You are you are Redskins fan. You remember 2008. Jim Zorn was hired to be the offensive coordinator of the Washington Redskins, and the Washington Redskins could not find a head coach to fill that job. So they made quarterbacks coach Jim Zorn the head the head coach of the Washington Redskins. Now, I don't think it's going to happen either. But as much of as much as they've built this guy up to be the the next up and coming guy, if they're not able to find any good candidates that they like externally, I think that there's at least a slim chance that Witt might settle for okay, Justin like Hamilton. A slim chance at best, man. And look how that and, and Jim look, Zorn I'm thing. Not, I'm not. Away. I'm not advocating for this. I'm not. I'm just saying. I can I can see a small path to how we get to that point. For all the reasons that I have been squeamish about the bringing in Shane Beamer idea and, you know, not so hot on your Holloman Wiggins theory. Oh, like, come on, man. Safety's coach to head coach in one year. <laughs> no, thank you. Whip Babcock is better at hiring coaching candidates than that. The one thing we can rest on our laurels is that across the board, Whip Babcock has done a pretty good job hiring head coaches at Virginia Tech. Yes, yes, he has. Now, you you could make a pretty good argument that he's boxed himself in by giving Justin Fuente two extensions in four seasons. But, yeah, Whip Babcock has a pretty good eye for – First, people that can lead the program and, and build the program in, into what it needs to be. And we've seen that in several sports across the board. So, yeah, people can can trust and wit for the most part, I think. Well, we shall see, but we're going to wrap this up. We're inevitably going to have to do another podcast within the next two days. Yeah, who knows? The <laughs> emergency pod might be coming. Yeah. Emergency pod coming in hot. <laughs> when Justin Fuente either chooses to stay or go. But until then, we will be immersed in all of the drama, a drama that no one really expected Virginia Tech to be in at this point. So we will catch up with all of you very soon. But until then, I am Andrew Alex for Mike McDaniel and Ricky LeBlue. Hold on tight, folks. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Let's go Hokies.